Good morning. It is Monday, May 24th, 2021, and this is DC Signal to Noise. Okay, since we last checked in with Jim Wiesmeyer, Pro Farmer Policy Analyst here, the Cubs took three or four from the Nationals, the Cubs took two or three from the Cardinals, and Phil Mickelson became the oldest winner of a PGA major tournament ever. 50 years, 11 months, and seven days. <laughs> All of that is really impressive, Jim, but this is the this is where I want to start. When you look at at all those ball games from this weekend, when you look at the crowd at the PGA Championship, now it is in Florida. Okay, I'll give you that. Uh, but when you look at all of those, the, the sporting events from the weekends, dude, what happened to the masks? They're gone. Yeah, well, I went to the biggest mall around here, Tyson's Mall, uh, over the weekend. Actually, both days over the weekend. And although the masks were being worn, uh, it was back to normal. I, it was so good to see. I mean, there was a lot of people. You had a hard time parking, et cetera. So we're back here. Yeah. You know, it's, it is interesting. And the reason that I want to bring this up is because it is, it is going to tell us a lot about consumer confidence and consumer confidence is going to tell us a lot about how this economy is going to perform over the next couple of months, which obviously is important for interest rates and the fed policy going forward, Jim. It, it is absolutely. And, you know, one of my high water marks to say we are really back to normal is Apple, because you still have to make a reservation to go in to buy something. And we all know Apple products are not cheap. So once they release that, uh, and they're very conservative on on the on on the mm -hmm. COVID stuff, then I think that's the one of the marks I'm looking at to say, OK, we're getting back to whatever normal is going to be. Okay. So the the okay, let's take a look back at last week because there were several comments from Fed Governor Jay Powell. There were comments from Treasury Secretary Yellen. And it almost feels like Jim, like President Biden is gonna have to call a team meeting at some point and get everybody on the same page on on the messaging. Yes, but Powell shouldn't be on the message of Biden. They're a so-called independent agency, and that's what got some people, has some people, including me, worried. I just think he's too aligned because perhaps his former relationship with, you know, former Fed Chair Janet Yellen, who's now the U.S. Treasury Secretary. But yeah, you're getting split opinions because the the market is giving different signals, Chip, uh, uh, depending what barometer you're reading. Right. Right. Okay. What else did you learn last week? Well, I learned last week that that they were talking on infrastructure, and then we saw late Friday, uh, Biden and the Democrats uh, counter offer uh, from two point two five trillion to one point seven trillion. Then over the weekend, uh, when you dissected that, uh, the Republicans are still not are still way apart on the you know the gap is still very wide where today you'd have to say the odds are low, really low now, Chip, for a bipartisan agreement. And that's all happened over the, over the weekend. And again, late Friday, we had an announcement on the initial details from USDA on the at least $4 billion in you know, payments to uh, 
selected minority farmers. So we had a lot of things that broke, uh, you know, late Friday and over the weekend. Okay. I want to get to some of those things. Uh, I want to go back just a little bit further too, uh, because even though this meeting, this beef industry meeting took back, took place back on May 10th, we really didn't start to get a lot of the details until last week. Now, one of the, one of the most impressive things that I'm going to take away from that meeting that took place on May 10, Jim, was that uh, people and groups got together in the same room and had a civil conversation that I didn't know if it, if it was possible for these people to get together in the same room and have a civil conversation. Yeah. So th- that is at least encouraging, isn't it? Well, that is, but we need to see a statement of principles that all parties agree to in, in order to get uh, Congress to act. And this is what, you know, people are saying in Washington, you know, if you're in agreement, we'll push for what you want, but they're behind the scenes. You saw JBS officially leave yeah. the NCBA, although they're going to still be a monitor or something. I don't know what the exact phrase was. So you can see the tensions uh, uh, are still there, Chip, you know, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's no question about it. Now, how much, how much do you think last week affected the momentum behind the effort to get some sort of a legislative fix or regulatory fix for what is happening in the beef industry? Uh, on the surface, it may look like the odds are 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 rising. I'm not going to say improving in that context. But again, what I'm hearing from congressional staff who work for, for the lawmakers who would be involved in any legislative uh, uh, initiative, Chip, they don't see a consensus yet in the people they're talking to. So okay. th- they don't want to go for something and then be uh, have 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 darts thrown at them. So again. This issue has been with us for a long time. You well know, even oh, when yeah. you were at, you know, you, you know, on the pro farmer editor side. Yeah. Uh, so the uh, contentious issues. There's really no right or wrong on this. And as we talked on AgriTalk Friday, uh, you know, this is almost like the the dog that caught the car. What what are yeah. they trying to do? And will it work? What what confidence do you have? Maybe they should try the old pilot project. Uh, you know, try a few things to see uh, you know how it works, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Or or doesn't work? Yeah, yeah. So at this point, we're still going to call it mostly noise, right? Uh, yeah, echoes, echoes. Okay, <laughs> okay. Echoes. We still kind of, we we hear it. You know, it's like an un- unidentified flying object. Okay? <laughs> we we think we see it, but we you know we just can't prove it. Yeah. Okay. But Very it is an issue. There's no doubt. It's an emotional oh, yeah. issue. When you talk the the the, the spread between the Packers, you know, of the margins, mm-hmm. and yet you know, and to be fair to the Packers, they're saying, look, they don't want to increase the bids because they can't find the workers to increase production. So uh, there are some explanations of this, but that gap is pretty wide between the Packers and the box beef price. Well, and and not only has it. Has it gotten wide seven hundred and ninety some dollars at the end of last week? And it was up to a thousand at one time, I believe. Right, yeah. right. Um, it's it's the length, it's it's the period of time that this spread between the packer margins and the feed yard margins 
50, you know, I'd call them feed yard margins right now, 50 bucks either side of break even, Jim. So when, and it's, it's just a simple fact that it has lasted so long that the frustrations obviously are, are through the rough. Well, you know, I don't know whether it's got some similarities, what, what I'm seeing in the lumber industry, Chip, where the mills are saying, you know, we're not gonna, we're not going to uh, increase capacity here mm -hmm. they're building up reserves and so that, that you know i don't know maybe i again i can't talk for a packer but they're getting signals but in the case of uh, the mills too they can't find the workers so mm -hmm. even though lumber has gone up what 75 percent just this year you know mm -hmm. so and yet at the same time to get a policy statement we have a department of commerce uh, announcement what for over the weekend friday or saturday the saying we're going to take canada's lumber industry on for subsidizing lumber and we need it yep. so a lot of odd things going on yeah you know and and your your similar or your your comparison there your is one that that I was looking at a lot last week because there are so many similarities between what is happening in the in the lumber business and what is happening in the cattle business. I mean, there's lots of logs out there, and yes. the logs are cheap. Yes, the logs cheap. The problem is the lumber, and yes. so I mean, the cattle are cheap. The beef is expensive. The yes. logs are cheap. The lumber is expensive. So yes. uh, it's uh, it's another one of those those backlog issues. And as long as we're talking about that, China made some noise over the weekend about um, uh, putting some constraints on supply chain items. Yeah. And you, we know China's a control oh. freak. They're a controlled economy and they're seeing some things, you know, maybe the Fed ought to watch China because China's trying to contain this, uh, especially as it pertains to electric cars, Chip, magnesium, etc. So it's getting away from them. But China has massive control where, where they can get you know, you know, you know, reaction far quicker than a uh, uh, independent governments can. Right. Our countries, countries. Right. Okay. Um, the one last thing that I wanted to touch on before we move completely away from last week is it feels like the colonial pipeline issue is getting behind us. Yes, because I've saw you could. There's no lines of gasoline stations out here okay, where good. you know. Uh, the, uh, every once in a while, I would pull in during that time frame, and they had signs on 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 the on the gas pumps, either regular only or we're out of gas. I saw none of that this weekend. So again, I I, uh, I think that the industry has rectified the uh, okay. issue, but yet we have uh, the, the governor of Michigan flashing signs that she wants to stop another pipeline. And we, again, we talked about that on AgriTalk a couple of weeks ago with the Canadian, another Canadian angle there. So you're just having, you know, just conflicting policy issues, Chip, here. No. Yeah. Can Conflicting policy issues is an understatement. You know, I do want to talk to one another thing last week. I, I was, okay. I, uh, uh, you know, I attended a D.C. gathering of uh, 
Virginia leadership people in agriculture, uh, younger people, you know, primarily, which I always love those because they go around the table where they're from, from the state, uh, what do they do, what are the issues they're hearing, and to a personship, it was broadband. Every one of them talked about that. Virginia was one of the 13 colonies, okay? What I heard from them, and they covered the state, it was horrible about what my state now, Virginia, has done relative to the inefficient high-speed internet. It's just not there. So, you know, I'm looking at, and you saw one of the packages that Biden did in the counteroffer was to lower the amount of money for for broadband. Now, I'm not saying just throwing money at it, because that's my problem here. They need to address what's really happening in rural America. It's just not money. It's the competing companies, you know, who are good companies in this area. They don't want to go into the rural areas because of the cost involved. We got to get more innovative policy to cross that hurdle and so I'm going to focus on, you know, Virginia now. I'm going to try to get an interview with the governor and things like that to say what in the H is going on in okay. rural America, you know, Virginia. Okay. All right. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, let's go back and get a little more detail. And as we start to look forward to the week ahead here, Jim, uh, get some more detail on what is in that infrastructure package. Now, I mean, the highway bill, there was agreement on that, right? There is an agreement on that. Now, that's the usual appropriations that you need for the Highway Trust Fund. And I, right. we're going to have a markup this week. So Washington is not total, you know, uh, in, in lockdown here, Chip. So, but that's your core, uh, you know, some of your core infrastructure. And so that's a good sign. And maybe that could build, but boy, the the comments that you saw on the news shows over the weekend from administration people, what I think the far left, other people call them progressives in the Democratic Party, they're saying, look, you're already talking too long with the Republicans. We're not going to have a compromise because uh, the minority leader, Mitch McConnell, Republican from Kentucky, made it known that you're not going to touch the uh, 2017 tax cuts. Uh, That's a red line. And uh, I didn't see that, uh, you know, being backed off in the counter proposal from the Biden administration on uh, uh, on the weekend uh, on, on Friday. So and but that's not the only other issue. You have the 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 topical issues that the Republicans want it to be more pure infrastructure where the Democrats still want to bring in some of the what they call social infrastructure right. into it. So the gaps are wide. And now we're saying that the Democrat, the wide. White House is signaling they want a compromised reach by Memorial Day, and if they don't get it, then they'll go solo. Okay, so is this looking – to me, it, it looks more like the old compromise bill with, with infrastructure than it does the Green New Deal type of a bill. Right. Well, when you read the two page, I've got a link on profarmer.com to the order that Biden put out Friday. And when you read it, it reeks of the Green New Deal. Does it? Okay. Yes. Yes. 
So, see, that's why the gap, you know, but yet the Democrats, if they go solo, that's even a big gambit because if they got, they have to get all their party on board. So yep. where's going to be mansion on this one? You know, and, and the signal that this would give chip to talk about the signal, if we don't, now we could be in the ebb and flow of controversial issues. So we're seeing a downside now, How, you know, I have to be caveated that one, but if we can't get an agreement on infrastructure, you can kiss other topics goodbye. You know, that's what it will tell me. That's why this is an important one to see whether or not, uh, you know, we can rise, you know, on, on the Phoenix front uh, after we uh, after the dust settles on some of these issues. Wow. OK, well, we'll obviously I have to pay close attention to how this one uh, develops. It, the another one that you mentioned earlier that I want to get some more detail from you, if if you've got it, is the USDA has has come out with a plan now to implement what is it like four billion dollars of payments to certain minority groups. Uh, I call it selected minority groups because okay. that's what it is. Right. Uh, American Indians are Alaskan Natives, Asians, uh, Blacks are African Americans, Native Hawaiians are other Pacific Islanders, and Hispanics are Latinos. That's what USDA said in their initial notice to be published uh, later on, Chip. And and what, what we say, at least $4 billion because it's such sums as necessary. Right. Now, the new news that we found out over the weekend is a USDA spokesman said about 16,000 minority farmers who borrowed money directly from USDA with direct loans appear to have qualified for the debt relief, while to almost 3,000, 2,900 are qualified for relief for bank loans that were guaranteed by USDA. So we're kind of getting some parameters uh, on this. Now, you'll recall the New York Times broke last week that that some bankers uh, were upset because they're going to lose uh, some money uh, out of their prior loans to, to, to these people. But Vilsack came out and told the Washington Post that banks already have protection built in with prepayment penalties that range from 3 to 5%. And uh, USDA took that under consideration in calculating what the uh, payments now, not that they're going to go to the uh, you know banks, okay? Right. Okay. You know, Vilsack said we're going to pay those prepayment penalties within the USDA, so okay. the banks are going to get a prepayment penalty payment. Banks will get that money back. Okay. Now, I don't know whether all banks have that three to five percent prepayment penalty because you know I won't sign a loan with a prepayment penalty right. if I want to pay it off. Uh, uh, sooner, I, why should I be penalized? Yes. Right. right. I'm not going to sign any loan for that. So I think that ought to be looked at too. Why Are there any be? challenges to this program left? There's two challenges in the courts and that's going to, that's going to take a while or good old court system, but, uh, uh, that's going to be one to watch. I think this could eventually go to the Supreme court eventually. Okay. What year? I have no idea. Okay. Um, yeah. Again, another one to watch. But here, here's the another angle. USDA's effort on this that was a pretty quick turnaround on this minority program, Chip, because that bill was just signed into law in March. Mm -hmm. Contrast that to the halt of payments under the CFAP. Okay, 
that took place in January with activity only resuming in late April and some of the payments authorized under COVID aid in December 2020 have yet to be issued. So favorites here. Yeah. Yeah. What is the status on those payments that don't know up in the, up in the air, they've been too busy on their priority issues. And that's true. And where are we at on WIP plus? Well, I can gather that one again. Yeah. Right. We okay. still don't know that. And uh, we were told in late May that we should get some sort of announcement. Well, to me, this is late May. Okay. On the second 50% of 2019 WIP Plus payments, what percentage? Uh, and, you know, we, you know, when the payments will be made. Maybe we'll get that this week. We'll see. Okay. All right, Jim, last week on Friday on the the free-for-all, I made the comment about this seems to be a more favorable EPA than what we've dealt with, than what we dealt with under the Trump administration, at at least from a farmer's perspective. When we talk about the RFS and the implementation of that program, um, there's there's some uh, renewable volume obligation uh, RVOs are, are... they haven't been released, but it looks like they're going to be basically steady, right? Same as, yes. Same as. Which is okay. at least a decision. Uh, you know, why they don't announce that officially is still remains to be seen, but mm-hmm. at least they signaled that last week. So we're getting some more information from this EPA, and so far he's getting pretty good marks in farm country, Chip, and energy. Well, know, don't you think maybe that is going to come into question with – Biden's request to take a look at um, glyphosate uh, uh, registrations and whether or not that that I mean, it it sounds like they want to take a look at the. And whether or not Roundup should be available or not. Yeah, no one said this government's consistent, any government. Okay, Uh, um. Yeah, and this is what has me bewildered over the last two administrations, from Trump to uh, Biden. I mean, you just have to throw logic off the window. It's just what what comes at them, and then they you, you think you've got a breathing moment, and then something else comes up to say, wait a minute, that pulled the rug out from under the initial decision. So, yeah, uh, it, it could happen. Okay. Very good. Uh, just a reminder to anybody that's out there that, that might be uh, listening in, if you've got any questions or comments, use your comment um, tab over on the right side and, and we'll uh, we'll be sure to get you in here. Um, the other China issue, Jim, we talked about maybe tightening up some of the supply chain items out there, magnesium in particular. Uh, another Chinese, China issue that, that is coming up is we're back to Wuhan and that lab and whether or not the coronavirus escaped the lab or was a naturally occurring virus. And there's a meeting this week on this sensitive issue. And China's already commented to the U.S. to stop your what they call conspiratorial, uh, yeah. y- y- you know, uh, uh, items on on this issue. And this has intrigue in it, too, because um Dr. Fauci uh, has had some sensitive comments on this and some um, close affiliation in in the Wuhan lab. Uh, I'll just say it that way. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but you're not going to get the full uh, picture. I think both both countries are going to water it down. 
I talked about this with a couple of people over the weekend. And um, in both cases, it was, ah, so what? Who cares where it came from? Uh, yeah. I'm like, no, I think it does matter. Do- doesn't it? I would hope that's the signals of what could happen in the future. Now, the, the news yeah. that broke over the weekend is three scientists in November last year got sick from Wuhan, you know, November of 2019, not last 2019. Year. Yes. 2019. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, yeah, these years go by, <laughs> uh, but it does signal that it's very important, Chip, because as we know, China cut off flights into their country, but right. allowed flights out of their country. Uh, just one word, explain. Yeah. Explain. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Uh, again, it's another one that we're going to have to watch very closely as it, as it develops. Well, I think you're seeing a, 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 a separating, not totally, U.S. and China uh, yeah. relations and to connect dots here. Cause I had to learn that in history. Look at the closer relationship. Now the Chinese and Russia leaders are having now that's a little disconcerting as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, before we talk markets briefly to wrap things up, what's the latest on the rail? Uh, Casey Southern Canadian Pacific, Canadian National is Canadian National. I know that CP and Casey Southern very polite or no, it was CP very politely asked CN to, you know, would you would you back away from this deal? Well, I just got a note. It was too late for me to put it in my policy updates, but the board of directors of the Kansas City Southern Railway chip voted to merge with the Canadian National Railway rather than the Canadian Pacific Railway to create a railway serving the three largest countries in North America. So that's light news here. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Uh, again, before we talk markets, give me, give me a good one. What's one that you're, uh, that nobody else is thinking about for the week ahead? <laughs> well, <laughs> I've got a personal infatuation with Bitcoin, and it just makes the corn and soybean market look like a dull market, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> Over the weekend, we had, oh, my goodness, it was rip-roaring. You have any involvement in this, and I only have minor, just, just to learn it. Yeah. It's like a roller coaster times three. and But you're seeing a lot of uh, activity, which tells me regulation is coming to the, and it should, to the uh, crypto, you know, currency. But other than that, I, I'm from farm, from my emails from farmers uh, there. I'll tell you the rice, uh, the rice growers. Here's one. Uh, they were in last week and they told NAS, they had meetings within USDA and they told NAS, your planted acres for rice is too high. So I'm going to track that one too. Here's the instance, mark the date down in May. They're telling NAS, you're too high. That's going to see how long, number one, if that's true. And I always yeah. go with growers first on that because they're ground truth, as you well know. Yeah. But two, uh, we're going to see if USDA lowers that rice, uh, you know, planting in the June uh, uh, acreage report. That's yeah. what I picked up late last week. So that'll be curious. But the other emails for farmers are saying uh, it's dry, although they got some rains in the Northern Plains. But uh, uh, this um, 
th 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 they they're still frustrated at USDA for their China, you know, numbers last year. Maybe an excuse because they sold corn when they probably yeah. shouldn't have, and they. So I'm hearing that all the time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um, they got some rain. They got very beneficial rains in some areas, Jim, and markets are reflecting it as we get started here on Monday morning. We've got uh, uh, this corn market is trading 15 to 17 cents mm -hmm. lower. We got beans 9 to 14 cents lower with the, with the new crop leading the way to the downside. So it's it, the rains in the northern plains. Yeah, I think that's got a lot to do with it. If we take it, yeah, uh, the wheat market's under pressure. So that's HRW. That tour that we had last week from the Wheat Quality Council, that is it. That was one of the most uh, di direct signal that I've ever seen from a crop tour, including our own. Yeah. That hey, <laughs> there's a heck of a good crop out there. You guys pay attention to it. And this, and this time, time, this year, this year the, the, the tour came, came out later after. than usual, right? Yeah. That's right. That's right. It, it did come a little bit later. But nonetheless, I mean, we we cannot forget the fact that there is a, a good crop out there. Brought a little bit of relief to the Safrina corn growing areas down in Brazil. I, it all feels like the wave one of the 2021 weather market is probably behind us. We need, we need some, some other, other bullish news, and that yeah. come for a little. And that China buying that we had last week, you know, beans were off forty to sixty cents last week, and corn was three to fifteen cents higher. Yeah. Now it's the the Chinese demand is what was driving was was the driving force and holding that corn market near steady when beans were under as much pressure as they were. But this week for the markets, I I mean. Nobody can expect another demand type of week like like we had for corn uh, in, in the week ahead. We can't expect that. I mean, that means we're going into a holiday weekend, Jim, with with not a lot of bullish news in the marketplace. No, and an improving, you'll see an improving crop progress situation yeah. today from USDA in the afternoon. Yeah, I, I agree. That's the consensus amongst the analysts that uh, I either get emails from or talk with. We need additional bullish news for the upside, but uh, that's several weeks away. Yep. Jim, we've got uh, a lot to watch in the week ahead, buddy. Thank you so much for giving us the update, and we'll talk to you again soon. Anytime. That's Jim Wiesmeyer, Pro Farmer Policy Analyst. I'm Chip Flory, host of AgriTalk. Join me at 10.06 and 2.06 every weekday for AgriTalk. And uh, Jim will be back with us on Friday for the free-for-all. Have a great week, everybody.